Good morning. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. I do want to share a few things from Acts 18 with you. And we're going to start, yay, starting at verse 18. We're going to read through verse 28. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he had sailed, he had his hair cut off at Tensuria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, and he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now we're going to have a scene change, and this is what we're going to focus on this morning. Meanwhile, dun 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 Sorry, I'm just trying to make it interesting there. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. When I was in kindergarten, I remember we were going through a spelling test or we were learning words. I don't know what you do in kindergarten. It was a while ago. But I remember the teacher taught us a new word, and it was the word no, but not like no, N-O. It was the K-N-O-W. And this was revelatory to me in fifth grade. I thought, oh, my gosh. There's another way to spell no, and it starts with a K. It's kind of tricky, too. And this was just hot off the press. As far as I knew, this is just, my teacher just told me it. So this is like on the scene for the first time, and I couldn't wait to tell my mom, because how could she know about this yet? I mean, this is a new word. It's just, it's just been discovered in the English language. And so sure enough, I got in the car. My mom was driving me home, and I said, Mom, Learned a new word today. Jeez, yeah, it's the word no, but not like the no you're thinking of, you know? It's a new one. And it's spelled different. And she was humoring me. And she said, oh, really? How's it spelled? Well, I didn't really pay attention to that part of it. You know, I just knew it was a new word spelt with a K. And so I remember the K part, and I go, well, it's spelled K N 
are, and I don't know what I meant after that, but I just kind of went on for way too long. And then my mom said, oh, you mean K-N-O-W? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. And I was surprised to realize that my mom already knew this word. And I thought, maybe she knows more than I know. And she did until I turned 13, and then that all changed. <laughs> A lot of times, for us to learn something, we have to recognize or receive it from someone else. My teacher, my mom, we, we have to get that information from somewhere. And sometimes we are our worst enemies when it comes to learning and to knowing because we think we know enough. We think we already understand about these things. And so we have in our mind what it is that we actually know, what it is that life's about, what it is God's about. And we have our little arguments, our little beliefs, and we lock them up and we say, this is what it's about. What we have taking place in this passage here is the Apostle Paul, who is well-known, well-educated, he leaves these two people, Priscilla and Aquila, who we know from verse 3, in the same chapter, that they made tents. They were tent makers with Paul. That was their trade. They came down from Italy, and they met Paul, and they were there in Corinth, and they're working with Paul, and then Paul leaves them as he goes on this 1,500-mile journey, and as they're staying there, they come across this guy named Apollos. And it says that Apollos was a learned man with thorough knowledge of the scripture. So this guy is very intellectual. And he knows a great deal. But these two tent makers know a little bit more than he does about Jesus. Which is surprising. This intellect, this guy who knows the scriptures, he's learned. These two tent makers are able to share with him more adequately. And it just goes to show you that there's someone dumber than you about something. But don't get too high-minded because that's true of us as well. We are dumber than some people. But there is someone who does not know as much as you do about God or about Jesus. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you know, you probably know more than someone. And the great thing about this story is the interaction between these three people. First, there's Apollos. And he doesn't know everything. He's just aware of the baptism of John, which means he's aware of repentance to salvation, but he doesn't know about the indwelling of the Spirit. He doesn't know about that new covenant 
and how it takes place through the person of Jesus. And so he's limited in his information knowledge, but it doesn't stop him from talking fervently. He still shares what he knows. And he's being useful, just sharing what it is he knows. Even though it wasn't as much as these two tent makers knew, it didn't stop him. And God used him with what he had and then brought him to a place where he could know more. So many times I think we get intimidated. We wonder, well, I, I don't know enough. What if they ask me the question? I don't know what the question is. How can I answer it if I don't even know what the question is? What if they ask me that one question about something in the Bible that I don't know? And, and we work ourselves up into a frenzy and we think, oh, what if and what if I don't know? And then we just be quiet because I don't want to step into that realm. Instead of being like a pulse, this is what I know. I'm going to share it fervently. When I went to North Carolina, I drove my son to, he had a check-in to the place where he had worked where he works there at a hangar. They work on these aircraft. And I was driving him there, and one of uh, the guys who was with him had to check in with him too. So uh, we we're going to all drive together. And as we're walking down there, the guy starts telling Samuel about, you know, this, the, the Bill Maher video that he just saw about, you know, really, I forget what the name of it is. I've got to watch it. And he's telling about it, and he's talking about, you know, it's a, you know, and he started putting Christianity down. And then he started saying, you know, well, you know, I lived a really repressed life because my parents, they were pastors, you know. And they're like, oh, man, can you imagine having parents as pastors? And I'm thinking, well, I, I'm a pastor, parent, you know, kind of person. And, you know, it started not rubbing the right way with me. You know, I felt like, you know, talking to my kid about these things, you know, part of me is just kind of, and then I kind of said, well, I actually am a pastor. I figure might as well let him know now and maybe he'll, you know, stop a little bit or whatever. And so, you know, I said, I actually am a pastor. And he goes, oh, you are? And he's kind of, ha, 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 you know, what do you say now? But it really didn't slow him down in his talking and kind of talking trash. And he goes, well, you know, I, man, people, you know, when you have kids who are under pastors, you know, they live these really you know, repressed life, and I had to just repress a lot of things, and kept saying repressed, repressed, you know, oh, I'm repressed, you know. said, sometimes repression is a good thing, you know. I've had to repress myself from wanting to kill people at times, but I didn't, you know, so repression can be a good thing. And I have to admit, I was a little irritated, because I was. And I just kind of said that, and he kind of stopped, you know. It wasn't meaning I was going to kill him, but I just you know, trying to make a statement. You know, not all repression is bad. It's, we all have to repress things. Otherwise, we'd have anarchy. Otherwise, we couldn't run a, a nation. Otherwise, you couldn't have a home if out, without repressing some things. So I just made that statement. But I, I felt afterwards, you know what, I just, I could have been nicer. And I should have been more inviting question than just, I'm going to slam some answers at you and then maybe you'll stop. And I felt bad about it. And then the next day we did the same thing and we started talking again and he had no problems throwing out these things. Well, you know, I don't believe the Bible because this. I didn't even ask anything. I didn't talk about it. He just started telling me why he didn't believe what I'm about, you know, and like, 
okay, all right. And it was interesting because the things he started saying, I actually knew about. He goes, well, you know, I watched the History Channel the other day. Guys, anyone watch the History Channel? All these things about, especially, you know, when Easter was around, about Jesus, who's Jesus, and all these things. He goes, well, I was watching the History Channel the other day, and, and, you know, I can't believe in the Bible because they said that no one believes that Pontius Pilate was really a person. They made him up, and there's no evidence of him anywhere, and so I just don't believe it. And I remember hearing this before, and I studied this, and I said, well, that's actually not true. They've found evidence that Pontius Pilate was a person. They excavated a rock that has his name on it. It actually says Pilate, and it's right there. Well, you can't see it, cause, but it's right there. <laughs> well, we need a better projector. It's right here. If you guys want later, you could see it's real. Uh, but they have this rock, and it has Pilate's name on it. You don't make a rock and carve a column and put someone's name on it that doesn't exist. And we have other writings. And so I told him, well, actually, that's not true. This was discovered in the 60s. And he goes, well, no, I, that must have been brand new then because I just saw this last week. And I was like, well, you know, actually, this is pretty old. This isn't anything new. And then he went on to another reason. Well, you know, another reason I don't believe the Bible. And he, it's like he had his list of excuses of why he didn't believe. And, and I was able to talk with him and, and seriously talk with him and not argue with him and tell him, you know what? I find that a lot of times we have reasons that we don't believe that only cover up the truth of why we don't want to give our lives to God. And that's because we don't want to change. And afterwards, he thanked me for talking with him and not just yelling at him and not putting him down and listening to his arguments and actually discussing them with him. And it turned out to be something that was good. And I could have just shied away from it, saying, I don't want to talk to this guy. I don't want to engage myself with these things. But I felt, why not? And it ends up things I knew and you might say, well, what if I didn't know those things? Well, then you would have something to learn. But I knew something that he didn't. And you are going to run into people that you know something that they don't. And it doesn't matter where they are. He was learned. He was educated in the scriptures. But they knew something that he didn't. And he was willing to share what he knew. And what's great about Priscilla and Aquila, is they didn't interrupt him in the middle of the synagogue and say, oh, Paulus, uh, Paulus, there, there's something you don't know. <clears throat> let, let me tell you what it's about. They didn't make a scene. They invited him to his house, to their house. And he said, hey, come to our house. And then they explained things more fully. And Apollos learned. He could have said, hey, who do you think you're talking to me? I mean, you're tent makers. Don't you know who I am? I'm Apollos. That's a cool name. <laughs> kind of name is Aquila. You sound like you should be on the end of a pen or something. You know, what is that? I'm Apollos. I, I'm learned and have much knowledge of the scripture. It says so in Acts chapter 18. Read it for yourself. He didn't have an attitude. 
He was willing to learn. Are we willing to learn? Do we understand that there's more that we can gain? Or do we think, well, I've been a Christian for you know, all these years. I know what this is about. We all can learn. And Priscilla and Aquila were gentle, and they shared with him more accurately the things of the Scripture. You know, it, it takes place, this happens throughout the Scriptures, where people who are in low areas give advice and direction to other people. It happened with Naaman, the Syrian general, who went to Elijah to be healed from cancer. And it was his servant, because Elijah said, go and dip into the Jordan seven times. And Naaman said, dip into the Jordan? That makes no sense. Don't we have rivers in, in Syria that are better than the Jordan? And I'm going to go dip into this river and be healed? And he left incensed. He was just angry just about how could he say these things? And in 2 Kings chapter 5, the story takes place. And his servant says, Master, if he'd asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? He's only asked you to dip into the river. Why not? And he did, and he was healed. A servant talked to this great general and just gave him common sense advice, and it changed his life. Jesus said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to be the servant of all. There's another account I want you to look at with me in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. And he, Jesus, went along... He saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was he. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? 
it was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the, the one you, excuse me, is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he sees? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Thanks, mom and dad. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind, give glory to God. That means you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's what they're saying there. Give glory to God, they said. We know this, this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Another story where this man who's a beggar all his life is brought in before the religious council and they're trying to nail him in this. What happened? How could you be born? We're, they're, not, they're not feeling this Jesus thing at all. They're not with them. They're not in the program. They don't care for what's going on. And as he's being just drilled, what's going on, they're wanting to know how this happened, how this happened. And he goes, all I know. I was blind, but now I see. Well, how did it happen? Well, he made mud out of spit. And you got to think about that, okay? It takes a lot of spit to make mud, okay? I know we, we, we like to, you know, it's just something real simple, but no. If you're going to have mud, you got to have a lot of saliva in there, okay? Just want you to feel what's going on here. This, this, this is you, unusual, to say the least, and it happens, and they want to know how it happened. And all he can do is tell them what he knows. This is, I think he's a prophet. I don't know. All I know was I was blind, but now I see. Sometimes that's all we know. How did your life change? What happened? I remember you, you were a party animal. You were, your life was messed up. You were a carouser. You were doing this. What happened to you? All I know. Jesus changed my life. He didn't give a large explanation. He didn't give a theological discourse. He didn't go into detail about why it was okay to heal on the Sabbath. All he knew was he was blind, and now I can see. Guys, sometimes that's all we know. How did my life change? I don't really know. But it did. It amazes even me. And sometimes that's all we can share, but it's enough. The great thing about this story, too, is this guy gets kicked out of the synagogue, and Jesus hears about it. And one of the many reasons why I love Jesus is when he hears that this man was kicked out, he searches out for him. And he says, hey, do you know who the Christ is who made you see? He goes, no. 
He goes, well, do you believe in him? He goes, who is he? He goes, it's me. And he falls down and he worships him. All we know is what God is doing in our lives and the things that we learn. Are you a person who is able to learn like Apollos was? Are you a person who's willing to share what they know like Apollos did, like Priscilla and Aquila did? It doesn't have to be a lot, but tomorrow you're going to run into someone who's dumber than you. Does that make you feel good? <laughs> but don't feel too headstrong because someone's going to run into you. But what you know, you can share. What you have is beneficial to them. It doesn't matter who. Are you going to be afraid? I don't want to share. I don't know that much. I, I, I don't know what to say. What do you know about your God, about Jesus? Maybe it's something simple like, I was blind, but now I see. They didn't have an answer for that. Share what you know, because someone needs it. Apollos took what they knew, and he flew with it. And he became more powerful. And he owed a great deal of his ministry to these two tent makers, Priscilla and Aquila. We see in Corinthians that Paul, uh, Paul talks about Apollos, how he, he had a big following. In fact, people started making an issue. I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower of Apollos. This guy was being used mightily. He was used mightily because he was willing to learn and because two tent makers shared what they knew and it was enough to add to what he had. What you know is enough to add to somebody's life. It's enough to change somebody's life. What you already know. And so instead of waiting till you know more, share what you know. Be willing to learn. When someone challenges you with a question, well, what about this? If you don't know, don't make something up. Say, I don't know. I'll look into that. The greatest treasures I have found have been in inquiry. The greatest things that I've learned from the Scripture have been things that I have wondered about and inquired. And then all of a sudden you find someone asks you about Pontius Pilate. That blew my mind. Why would this guy ask me about, you know, why would he say this? I know that one. I was so excited. I know. I know how to spell that. It's K-N-O-W. I know that one. Because somewhere down the line I'd heard this, researched it, found it, and now it became a tool. Something I knew God was able to use so continue to grow in your knowledge of Jesus, who he is, what he has for you, what he's about, evidences for him. A long time ago, we did a series on questions. Uh, I'm trying to make that available, too, that you can use to just kind of have tools and evidences of why we believe what we believe. 
but grow in your knowledge. And then when you grow in your knowledge, and even before you grow in your knowledge, don't be afraid to share what you know. Fear stops us from doing so much good. And what it really is, is pride. Pride will keep us from learning, and pride will keep us from sharing. I don't need to know about that. You're just tent makers. That's pride. Apollos wasn't proud. He was willing to learn. Oh, I don't want to share, because what if he thinks I'm stupid? That's pride. Pride will hinder you and keep you from doing what it is God wants you to do. And God wants to use everyone. Tomorrow you are going to run into someone who doesn't know as much as you about who Jesus is. Share with them what you know. And see where it leads you. Maybe it'll lead you to questions. Great. God loves questions. God loves inquiry. God loves people to be curious. Jesus said, ask, knock, seek. It was because the bush was burning and Moses said, I wonder what that's about. I think I'll go check it out. That he found the burning bush. It was an inquiry. It was curiosity that led him to God. And you see, God has put that question in everyone's heart that wants to know, wants to ask. Well, let it be something that helps you to move along in your faith and in your growth. And also let it be something that you can utilize to answer people. When they ask you, tell them what you know. I don't know a lot. That's okay. You don't need a lot. Start with where you're at and share what you know. That's how we grow. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful that you are able to work in our lives and through our lives with what we know right where we're at. And I pray that we would never stop growing. We would never stop learning. We, like Apollos, would be willing to receive and better ourselves and our understanding with who you are. That we would be like Apollos and willing to share with fervor the things that we do know. And then when we gain more, it would just help us to be even better. That like Priscilla and Aquila, we would not be intimidated, but we would invite people into our lives so that we can share with them just a little bit more. That might be just a little bit more helpful. And God, that you would use and be able to use in their lives as well. Lord, I pray you give us boldness. That you would empower our lives. Just as you, you gave this blind man, as he stood in front of the religious leaders of his day, and as they were just drilling him, he still shared what he knew. And Lord, that led him ultimately to his encounter with you him standing up for what he believed, got him kicked out of the synagogue, but brought into your presence. Lord, I pray we would have that boldness, that your spirit would empower us and fill us and equip us to live for you. 
thank you for this time, Lord. We do ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.